What's happening? How you doing? Hello, my name is Ben. Um, yeah, I've been called a few things, Godfather and all that type of stuff. I'm just me. Moving Factory, we started it with my wife, um, God, 2009, and it's now turned into something which is beyond our dreams. So we give God the glory on that. It's amazing. I'm not sure if you know this, but today I'm going to be talking about sex and relationships. So if you didn't know that, now you know. But before I get into that, I just want to have a couple of like, recommendations for you because obviously it's a seminar, so I've got a couple of books. If we can go on to the next slide. You can't even see that, can you? All right, this is going to be painful. Okay, I'm just going to put it up like this. Two books I'd recommend you to read. This one, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. This is probably the best book I've read on sex and what we should and shouldn't do as Christians. Very, very good book. Read this one. This other book, More Than Just Pretty, I, I can't lie to you, I haven't actually read it yet, but somebody called um, Emma Book Book, Emma Bakayat. Emma, how do, you, how do you pronounce your name? Emma Borkway. She says, apparently, it's relatable, thought-provoking, full of practical wisdom. So, Emma said it. It's got the recommendation there. You should definitely try and get those books. Okay. Now, I'm not sure if this is going to work. I had this whole thing. I wanted to show a film. And I'm not sure if we're going to be able to do it. It's going to be very tight. So, I'm not going to show it because I think it's basically not going to work that well. But has everybody seen that Nike London advert? Yeah? Okay, so basically, for those who haven't seen it, because I don't know if this is just shown in London, because it's called Nike London. Oh, we can try it? All right. Isaac's saying, let's try it. Let's see if we can do this. I've had the longest day, man. You said you were going to come to me, now you're telling me to come to you. I'm not getting on a cycle. Cycle? That's light work. Man's got to run two miles from ends just to get to training. Serious, bro? Two miles? Really? I have to run all the way from Zone 6 with my school bag! Oh, you think that's tough? I have to run through Peckham at night! What's wrong with Peckham? Oh, yeah? Well, I gotta fight these ways, man, just to play. This is my multi purpose. Council funded, football tennis, basketball court. You don't know the meaning of fighting. Have to fight! Oh, family! Before I even walk in the ring! That's nothing! In my family! If you're not in first place, and you're considered a failure! No, man, you're begging it! I've got more chance of getting hit by lightning than going pro! It's mud! Are you serious? I've got to get to the biggest game of my life, score a banger, right in the top end, just to be noticed! He gets to play with other people. Lucky! No one plays ice hockey in London. I have to be my own team. My own opposition and my own church. Yeah? Yeah? Well, I have to run to training, coach my own coach, carry my whole team, and I'm best mates. What would the world be? No, no. 
Morning. This is London, but I reckon that's probably a good representation of the UK. Now, the reason why I showed that is because when you look at all the different types of young people represented there, um, they've all got different issues actually going on. Um, I sometimes use that when I do some training around specifically training people around youth violence and around safeguarding. And I say, can you pick up any of the safeguarding issues? For example, the young person who was rowing and he said, you know, I'll, I'll be a failure if I don't get to first place. For me, that's a mental health issue. There's potential suicide in that young person. If he's saying, you know what, I can't compete, I have to be first place in everything, there's a mental health potential problem there. One of the things I want to draw out, though, is the woman, the girl who was playing football. And what she said was, what do I need to do just to be noticed? Just to be noticed. Now, I'm a father, I've got a, a three-year-old, uh, her name's Esme, she's crazy, but I love her to bits. And I've got a six-year-old called Hector, and I've got one on the way as well. I must be mad. But when I, when I look at uh, that girl who says, what do I need to do just to be noticed? I think to myself, man, you don't have to do anything. God loves you, but it's worrying. And I think that's a question we all have. I know when I was your age, I had that question. What do I need to do just to be noticed? When I wasn't feeling popular, when I wasn't getting attention from the girls I fancied, uh, when I wasn't wearing the right stuff, I was asking the question, what do I need to do to get noticed? What do I need to do to get the attention? And today, I want to specifically talk about sex and relationships. When we talk about what we need to do to get noticed, one of the things which I found when I was growing up and a lot of the young people I work with, when it comes to sex and relationships, we can do all types of things to get noticed, to get that Instagram like, to get that retweet. What do we do? But this is the thing is, the culture around us always says the things which are not true. Not always, but most of the times. So let's, for example, the culture around you will say, you need to be skinnier. Or sometimes it might be, you need to be stronger. Or some of you, it might be like, actually, I need to have better clothes. Some of it is like, I actually need to have the best technology. All this stuff will help us measure up. Helps us to be noticed. When it comes to sex and relationships, we are surrounded by this hyper-sexualized environment and culture. And we only have to look at things like Love Island. Who watches Love Island? Yeah, you can be more honest than that. It's all right. Who watches Love Island? Hands are going up slowly. All right, I'm being honest. I've never watched Love Island. Oh, you two as well. <laughs> We've got to have words. 
I've never watched Love Island. I was tempted to watch a little bit of Love Island before I came here just to be a bit more relevant, but my wife said don't do it. So I won't, I didn't do it. But yeah, Love Island, whether it's music videos, we just mentioned Drake. Drake's a funny artist. Me and Governor B, we have this argument all the time. He loves Drake. I'm not a fan. I've never seen such a more depressed rapper in my life. Seriously. Man's like probably the, you know, number one rapper in the world. But every song, he's worrying about girls. Do they like me? Can you, can you love? Well, of course she loves you. You're Drake. You've got money. You know, it's ridiculous. It's this type of dumb stuff. Sorry, I, you know, I'll move, I'll move on a little bit. But the music around us, the music videos, all this type of stuff. If I'm honest, when I was growing up um, and trying to work out about sex and relationships, I got taught by the, the Notorious B.I.G. and R. Kelly. That's how I learned, you know. I won't sing Bump and Grind because it's probably not appropriate, but that's what I learned, how I knew about sex and stuff. You said I should sing it? No? All right, nah, cool. <laughs> but we've got to be honest around this. is not just stuff like that. There's pornography. Everything. I feel sorry for you guys because when I was a youngster, if I honestly wanted to get porn, I had to come out my house, walk up the road, go to the corner shop, go to Mr. Patel, Walk through the, his name was Mr. Patel before anybody starts saying, that's just racist. No, his name was Mr. Patel. Okay. Go through, go to the top shelf, try and get down a magazine, then try and pay for it. There was no way that was ever going to happen because Mr. Patel would talk to my mum and then it would be problems. So that's never going to happen. But for you guys, you can get porn whenever you want. It's that easy. So things are accessible to you in a way that is, wasn't for me and you can't hide from this stuff even if you want to I'm not sure if we can get the next let's go next one next one cool you can't really see it but there's it's probably a good thing you can't see it it's, this advert is of a woman in a bikini and this advert I have to drive past every day with my children when they're going to school and I've just been thinking what does my daughter think when she sees this woman in a bikini and what does my son think when she, he sees this woman in a bikini the point is, even if you're trying to be holy, even if you're trying to be pure, and you're trying to not get involved in this stuff, everything around you points to sex. And it's really difficult to not be influenced or get involved in that. But, you know, the thing about sex and relationships, the culture's not always wrong about this stuff. I don't know if many of you have seen the stuff which is going on, especially in America around Me Too. There's this whole this movement where... Uh, women in particular have been sexually uh, abused or something sexually wrong has happened to them and now coming up and speaking out. And that is a good thing. But it also tells you something. If the culture around you are now making, having some questions about what is going on sexually, then we know we're in for a few issues. To be honest, it's an everyday struggle. Even for a big man like me who's been married 15 years in September, I've been with my wife, for 18 years, Eve, yeah, yeah, that, you can pick that one up. Yeah. <laughs> Even for me as a big man who's been married for that long, I still have to battle daily to not deal with the sex issues around me. And it's an everyday struggle. And we have to choose your weapon carefully. Again, I'm not sure if it will come up, but I will read this anyway. There are two choices when we talk about weapons to navigate through sex and relationships. You've got the Bible and you've got the culture around you. 
See, the Bible says this. Be careful of your heart. Don't be led by your heart. Your heart is actually deceitful. That's what the Bible says. But the culture around you, now it says this. Follow your heart. Follow your feelings. Follow your emotions. The Bible says this. When tempted, God will show you a way out. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians. But the culture around you says, no, 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 no. Temptation's cool. That's all part of the game. It's all part of the pleasure. You can't help but giving in to your sexual desires. The Bible says God's will is the way to go. Stay holy. Stay away from sexual sin. But the world around us is like, nah, sexual immorality is subjective to opinion. You're going to abstain? What? You're not going to have sex before marriage? What's that all about? You're not going to keep a boyfriend or a girlfriend like that. So you've got these kind of clash. And every day we've got to wake up and think, well, what do I pick up? Do I pick up the word as my weapon? Or am I going to listen to the culture? That's what we have to ask ourselves. And if we're honest, because as I am an old boy, and I always say, do not let the cocoa butter fool you. I am a little bit older than some of you here. It's good stuff though, cocoa butter. So make sure you got some. What it says is this. What I will say is this. It is timing. I remember how conflicting it is. Your friends. All, apparently all my friends were having sex when I was 15, 16, which I now know to be a lie. But apparently everybody was having sex. And then I'm like, oh no, but I'm a Christian. I grew up in a Christian home. This is what I should be doing. It's exhausting. It's frustrating. And it just leads to sin patterns. My story is very simple. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my mum and dad divorced when I was seven. So my mum had to do mum and dad job. And um, I remember my mum, I, I hit about 15, 16. My mum was like, right, Ben, we're going to have that talk. And I'm like, oh Lord, no, don't need this. And she said to me, she was like, the Bible says we do not have sex before marriage. Don't have sex before marriage. This is what she said, don't have it. And I was like, okay. And that was it. That's all I heard. Now, here's the problem. I automatically went to me staying a virgin. And what then happened is that what I like to call, I explored the grey area. You're all like, what's the grey area? You know what the grey area is. <laughs> but just in case you don't, I'm going to be really explicit about what the grey area is. I explored the grey area. Okay, so let me see what oral sex is about then. Yeah. Because I'm still a virgin, right? So oral sex, that's cool. Yeah? All right, let me, to be honest, this next thing wasn't really me, but masturbation. That's a grey area. And, but, you know, I can still do that. Still knock one out. Yeah. Because I'm still a virgin, right? Sorry. I think you're all over the age. This is what happens. Pornography. I can still look at this stuff. Because I'm still a virgin, right? Now, that mentality actually led me to losing my virginity when I was 19 years old, before I was married. Because after a while, the grey area kind of got boring. And I went there. And that's the problem. Every sex and relationship talk I ever heard, including the one from my mum, focused on one of the following. Abstinence. Like... Stay pure until you're married. And just on that point, um, I would want to rebuke any 
youth leaders have ever said in this type of setting. Uh, all you need to do is um, don't touch what you don't have. Have you ever heard that? So I'm like, nipples? Right, that's how my mum was working. That's an aside. Anyway, so abstinence. And then the second thing that you'd hear is how not to get pregnant. And then the next thing you'd be like, how to avoid not getting an STI, sexually transmitted infection. That's all I heard about why we don't have sex before marriage. I never heard what the Bible actually says why the Bible says it, and even more important than sex, how to love one another in a relationship. Because as Christians, we always like to fast forward to the sex bit, but there's a whole thing about love and being in healthy relationships. And I believe if we understand those three things, the what, the why, the how, I believe that we'll pick up the weapon again and again, the correct weapon the biblical weapon which will keep you holy and pure and safe. So I'm just going to pray quickly and then very quickly I'm going to just steam through what I've got and hopefully it'll be helpful. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this amazing opportunity to talk to these incredible young people about sex and relationships. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you fall upon this place. Open our hearts up. Direct us to your your will, and your ways. We thank you that we come to a forgiving God, a grace-filled God, who wants us to come to his feet every day. In your name, amen. So let's start with the what. What does the Bible actually say about sex? There's many things I could say about this, but I'm just going to link to Genesis 2, 24 to 25, where it says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. What we see from the very beginning of the Bible is God's design from the beginning was to have for sex to be between man and woman in the context of marriage. From the very beginning. God being a good father gave Adam and Eve free will. What was that? <laughs> okay. So I've just like nightmare. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have exposed you like that. Do your thing. <clears throat> Where was I? <laughs> God being a good father gave Adam and Eve free will and free choice. And the thing is, that is a good thing. But when they were presented with an opportunity to go against God's commands, they chose their own way. They chose their own way. And this impacted everything, everything, whether it's the environment around you, whether the way we, our heart is, but it definitely impacted our view on sex. We now have this distorted, warped view of sex because of the fall, what happened in Genesis 3, and the result of that is pornography, prostitution, masturbation, lust. It's men and women choosing to go their own way and not God's way. It's distorted and it's warped. But you might be thinking, hold on a minute, Ben. Hold on a second. You've just mentioned some words like pornography and prostitution. All I want to do 
is sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend. All I want to do is not wait. What has that got to do with anything? I'm not an evil person. Okay, well, fortunately, this, the Bible has things to say about that as well. See, the Apostle Paul, he says this, I'm allowed to do anything, but not anything is good for you. Not everything is beneficial. So we are allowed to do whatever, but it's not all beneficial. And especially when we're talking about sex. And the thing is, sin, sin, this big word, sin never entered into the world because people were intentionally bad. You've got to understand that. Sin entered into the world because people had a desire to be their own person. That's what we saw. Eve was like, I'm going to take the apple. Didn't want to listen to God. I want to do my own thing. That's what it is. And it's, it's this issue here. Going away from God, doing our own thing, which has never worked out in the history of the world. It's never worked out when we go our own way. This everyday struggle of choosing your weapon, it, it might not make sense to the culture around us, your friends who are not Christians, to be like, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm going to only have sex in the context of marriage. It might not make any sense. And it will require patience and trust. But I'm telling you, it will be good for you in the very end. That's the what. The Bible says that in the context of marriage. But what about the why? And this is, for me, the most important thing. Because even people saying that, you still like, well, why, 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 why? Why should I save myself? Why should I wait until I'm married? Well, there's many reasons, but I'm only going to give you two. The first reason is this. There is this cosmic, eternal, theological, somewhat symbolic reason why we are to save ourselves. And it's this. In the Bible, it says that Jesus is the bridegroom and we, the church, us, his people, are the bride. Now, that doesn't really make sense. And when I was thinking about this, I was like, this really doesn't make any sense. And then when I started looking around it, I realized that even people in the Bible don't really understand it. This is what Paul said. He said this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So you're like, okay, Paul, you've got something. And then he says this, The mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. He's basically saying, I don't know what it means, but I know it connects to Christ and the church. So what does that really mean? Well, basically, when Christ died on the cross, he unified his people. We became one. We were unified together. And our little versions of marriage is meant to represent him. When we have sex, we are symbolically representing what Christ did with the church. When, sounds a bit nuts and hopefully my children will never hear this, but when I have sex with my wife, I'm representing what Christ did with the church in terms of the unity and the joining of together. It's symbolic. He unified us. Therefore, if we are saying that what we do regarding sex has a bigger implication and represents God, then do you think it's wise that we should do this outside of a marital context when it's actually something which is meant to be of worship and reverence and holiness 
And for that union between Christ and us, it cost him his life. And there wasn't any shortcut. You see, there's a story in the Bible where Satan tried it with Jesus and has offered him a shortcut out. Don't, you don't need to go through dying on the cross. Don't do any of that. Come. Come hang with me. And Jesus was like, nah, it's all right. I've got a mission. I want to be committed to my people. I want to join them with me and my Father in heaven. And then there's that time when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was sweating blood. If that was me, I would have bounced out at that point. I'm sweating blood. That doesn't happen every day. I'm out. Sorry, I'm done. But Jesus, no, 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 he kept going. No, no, I'm committed because I need to join my people with me and my father and then he was on the cross again all right let's say i got through that whole bit of the blood coming down mashing up my t-shirt and stuff i might on the cross when someone's putting nails in my hand at that point i might have bounced and it says that he could have called a legion of angels to come and save him but he didn't he was committed for us he didn't bow out because of his commitment to us and we mustn't shortcut our journey because of our commitment to him. This is what we need to understand. What you do sexually matters to God. It's bigger than just about our needs. It's bigger than what we just want. But that's the first thing. But the second thing is this. Why? Why? It's for our own protection. It's our own protection. Do we believe that we serve a good, good father who knows all? I certainly do. You see, as I said, pornography, prostitution, masturbation, lust, that grey area, that grey area, porn, oral sex. You know what somebody said to me once? If I have anal sex, does that really count as sex? Well, the clue's probably in the title. (laughs) We laugh, but this is what, if we're not clued up about this stuff, we will find ourselves in all types of problems. But here's the thing, and you really listen to this one. Sex is never, ever meant to be dirty. It's never meant to be violent. It's never meant to be hidden. It's never meant to be shameful. It's never meant to be deceitful. Now, I've not watched porn. I've, if I'm going to be honest with you, like, I've only ever watched one porn film and it was when I was about 15 and it was horrible I didn't like it so I turned it off really quickly and this is back in the day with VHS's so it was a a problem for many reasons and what I realised it was dirty it was violent it was hidden I was hiding it it was shameful and it's deceitful that isn't what God's design for sex is meant to be sex is meant to be respectful it's meant to be caring it's meant to be generous and it's meant to be joyful And sex is never, ever, 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 ever meant to be devoid of love. It's not just about the physical thing. And sometimes even as Christians, we forget this. So those two things there, why? One, there's this bigger spiritual dynamic, symbolic dynamic of what it means to Jesus and what it represents. But it's also there for our own protection. What God is saying, why we are to keep sex in the context of marriage. But what does the Bible actually say about love? Because this is the other thing when I was younger. All I heard was don't have sex. No one ever said to me, Ben, this is how you are to be in a relationship. 
She said, you have to treat a woman. Again, R. Kelly helps a little bit, but not much. And Drake definitely won't help you. Because he only loves his mum in his bed, apparently. So that's never going to help you. But this is it. We can learn a lot from the Bible about how we are to be in healthy relationships. And we've probably all been to enough weddings to know these, these verses from 1 Corinthians. It says this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's a relationship. That's love. That's how you are to act. When I, I've been married for so long now, like I sometimes take it for granted what I have. All those things I have. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not about to paint this romantic picture that my wedding, my marriage is just always perfect. No, 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 we can go at it sometimes. But at the root of it, what that Bible, what the Bible's just demonstrated about love is what's there. And it's, we've got to understand there is a difference in what the Bible says and what the culture says about love. I don't know much about Love Island, but what I have picked up, there's some stuff in there which I'm not sure is necessarily about love. Infatuation isn't love. Lust isn't love. Idolizing stuff isn't love. Chemistry. We hear that one a lot. We just got chemistry. It just gets me. My soulmate. That's not love. I can turn on the TV and I'll look at things. I'm like, oh, I think we've got a connection. I still think I can play Premier League football when I look at Hazard. Yeah, man, we've got chemistry. Me and you can play the same... St- got the same moves yeah yeah it doesn't quite work that way does it that's not love obsession is not love this is all like some 50 shades version of love see sex is more than just about the physical act it's it's emotional it's spiritual it's mental if we're going back to what jesus if we are kind of linked this to what jesus says about us it says this but the one who joins himself to the lord is one spirit with him which means if our sex is similar, it can never just be a physical thing. It can't be this physical. There's got to be more to it than that. And just to prove a point, I'm going to demonstrate something. So, I need um, four volunteers. I need one guy and three girls. Uh, my man, right at the back as the guy. Come through. Come through, my man. Yes, give this guy a big hand. <clears throat> And now I need three ladies. Okay, yeah, that's one. Yeah, I need two more. Come on, don't be shy. We're all safe here. Nothing. I'm going to do anything bad to you. Come on. I need two more girls. Oh, I'm just going to start picking people. Who's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, don't need two girls. Okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on. I need two more girls. Who wants 10 pounds? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, now we're talking. All right, cool. My girl at the back. Yeah, yeah, next to... Uh, yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, you can come. And then the one behind as well. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah, come. My man was like, Hannah, yes. You don't know what I'm going to ask you to do. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what you can do. You can hold this, but don't say anything. 
Justin. <laughs> oh, okay. This is a jar of molasses. Any cook, anyone who cooked in here? Yeah, okay, this works well. I, I, I'll let you into a little secret. What separates my jerk chicken from anybody else's is what I have in my hand. Don't tell anybody. And also two types of rum, but that's another story. So, <laughs> what I need you to do, what's your name, first of all? Jordan. Yes, Jordan, what church are you from? Brixton Beacon. Big up, Brixton Beacon. Owen's a good man. Okay, what's your name? Faith. Hello, Faith. Are you, do you go to Brixton Beacon as well? The Liberty Church, London. Liberty, big up Liberty. I'm Leonie, I'm from Germany. Hi, Germany, Leonie. What church you go to? I'm here with King's Church. Horsham. Horsham, excellent. And you are? Hello. And what church you go to? Beacon Church, Brixton. One, okay. All right, so what we're going to do, you're about to have sex. Or at least, uh, uh, <laughs> symbolically. Junior, put your hand in there, please. Jordan, sorry, apologies. No, not finger, hand. Put your, you got to put your yeah, hand in there. Don't worry, we can wash you off. Put, your, put it in there. All the way in. That's it. All right, did I take your hand out? Yeah, yeah. Right, now, please give Michael a high five. Yeah. Now, more than that, man. Get into it. Okay. This is what sex is like. Sticky and messy, but we won't go there. All right, cool. So, you two have just had sex, yeah? Now, you're going to have... Because you're the type of randy kind of guy. You're like, mm, one girl's not enough. So, now go and give Miss Germany a high five, please. Yeah, okay, come on, get into it. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And because you're still randy, you're like, boy, I need more. Please give Hannah a high five. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. Now... Everybody put their hands up. You, well, not you lot, but you put your hands up. Show everybody. This, as much as this is a crude example, this is what happens when you have many sexual partners. You might think, oh, okay, we can just do one thing and it doesn't mean anything. But every time you have sex with somebody, a part of you is left with them. And this is the honest truth. Even though I've been married for 15 years, I still recall and recollect people I had sex with before my wife. That's because it's never just a physical thing. It's an emotional tie. It's a mental thing. Not all experiences are good. So sometimes I don't want to be thinking about those past things. But because sex is so powerful and it's more than just physical, this is what gets left behind. Thank you very much. Can you give these guys a big hand? There is water there for you to wipe yourself off. It's a crude example, but it's exactly what happens. Every contact leaves a trace. If I walk past any of you and you go, hey Ben, what's going on? And I just ignore you, blank you, that's going to leave something with you. On a very minor level, that's going to leave something. Oh, Ben's, he's not, he's not very nice. He's not, he's not cool. You've, let, you've got an impression. That's a simple thing of me just blanking you. 
Now, imagine getting into the physical act of sex again and again and again. What do you think else is left? We've got to get into our heads. It's never just a physical thing. Experiences all link. The result is the more partners we have outside of the marriage context, the more devalued, the more used, the more unworthy we become. I know. I know. I had to do some serious work before I got married. But I was like, Lord, you've got to do something in me because I've just not done things your way. And this is the thing. I'm wearing this t-shirt called Power to Fight. Um, some of you might have heard me speak a little bit about it. It's a new youth violence charity I'm launching. reason I called it Power to Fight is because we're all fighting something. We're all fighting something. It might be uh, the fight against injustice. It might be the fight to be heard. We're all fighting something. But what I learned and what I realized and what I felt God say to me was very simple. How we power that fight will determine the results. So, if you are in this world and you every day are facing this hypersexualized world you're in and you're being challenged to act a certain way, whether it's through films, whether it's through videos, whether it's through your friends, whatever it is, if you're not powered in the right way, to deal with it, you are going to flop and fail. How do we power the fight as Christians? It's the word of God. There is no shortcut. There's no other way. And I appreciate for some of you, you might be here thinking, boy, I've made some mistakes. Here's the good news. This is the good news. No past mistake is too big for God to deal with. Do you believe that? No past mistake is too big. Whether you've been in that grey area or not, God can redeem, forgive, cleanse. And you need to understand that your identity is bigger than what the world thinks it is. Do you know all of you are special? Do you know all of you were fearfully and wonderfully made? All of you? Do you know that God's got big plans for all of you? Whatever you think you're seeing, whatever you're being challenged with, God is like, stick with me. I've got you. I've got you, but you've got, to, you've got to stick with me. Trust me. This is what God thinks about. He loves you, fearfully, wonderfully made. He's devoted to you. He doesn't want you to shortcut your way to what he has for you because it won't end well. I want us to stand. Can we stand? What? And if we could just be respectfully just quiet for a moment. I just want you to just close your eyes for a second. What I realized when I was preparing this, that God was speaking to me, and for some of us, I know we're in some mad situations. Some of us might be in sexually active relationships, and you've been hearing God right now. God's like saying, that needs to stop, because I've got something bigger for you. I know some of you are in that great area. Pornography, masturbation. Maybe it is oral sex. Some of you are in that area. God is saying, don't short circuit it. This is not what I have for you. Some 
may have been have done some things in the past which you're now really ashamed about God is saying you know what I'm here I want to take that shame away I want to do some work in you some people here might have had some bad things done to them and that's impacting your view on sex God is saying again I'm here for you to comfort you to cleanse you to hold you some of you you might actually be the perpetrators you know the pretty boys you can get girl or the women you know how to get man God is saying that's not your identity that's not your identity stop pretending to be something you're not it's time to start choosing what I love about New Day you've got this opportunity to draw a line here more than anywhere the culture around you is locked off this is your time with Jesus to get right and we want to help you do that so I just want everyone just to close your eyes I'm just going to give a moment I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and I'm just going to pray and then we're going to sing a song and then I'm going to come back up I just want you to close your eyes and I just want to pray Heavenly Father I, I thank you that you designed sex that you designed relationships help us in this room to trust you to pick up the weapon of the Bible daily and understand the why the what and the how to do this life Holy Spirit we need you to do this God anyone who's feeling right now the need to turn their life around to repent and repent just means turning your, your life around from away from what you were once doing God I pray Holy Spirit you do an amazing work right now Lord, I thank you that you are a grace-filled, loving, forgiving, cleansing God who desires us and our identity is in you. Come Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill this place. We're going to sing a, a song called Build Your Life and some of you might know it. But it's an amazing song because it really reminds us that where we are to put our trust. And as we sing it, some of you might want to respond in your heart that this is where we're going to draw a line. So we're going to sing this. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring